0: Welcome to the Theory to Action podcast, where we examine the timeless treasures of wisdom from the great books in less time to help you take action immediately and ultimately to create and lead a flourishing life. Now, here's your host, David Kaiser. Hello, I am David and welcome back to another Mojo Minute. The Holy Week of April 1865 was certainly a holy week. From hell. The national events over those previous four years from 1861 to 1865 would be the United States' greatest national nightmare. Over 750,000 lives would be taken. And so in that spring of 1865, Ulysses S. Grant now had the South's most beloved commander, Robert E. Lee cornered and trapped in middle Virginia. After both commanders exchanged letters about a potential surrender, they then met at a small town crossroads called Appomattox Courthouse. It was Palm Sunday, 1865. Lee arrived first. Before he left, he told his staff, if I'm to be the general, If I'm to be General Grant's prisoner today, I intend to make my best appearance. He was in full dress uniform, writes Alan Gelzo, in his remarkable book, Robert E. Lee, A Life. Let's go to the book. Not even Ulysses S. Grant could escape the sense of being upstaged by Lee at Appomattox. He was a man of much dignity, with an impassable face. Grant wrote in his memoirs later, he was dressed in a full uniform, which was entirely new and wearing a sword of considerable value. While Grant was self-conscious of his, quote, my rough traveling suit, the uniform of a private with the straps of a lieutenant general sewn on. I must have contrasted strangely, Grant admitted, with a man so handsomely dressed, six feet high, and of faultless form, unquote. Robert E. Lee in full dress uniform. Ulysses S. Grant, admitting that he looked haphazard. In fact, Grant had actually outran his supply lines over the past two weeks in that April 1865 campaign, and his dress uniform was somewhere in a trunk within his supply line, stretching back over 25 miles. So after some small talk between the generals, the task at hand was attempted, the surrender of Lee's army. Grant's terms were generous. And in fact, in a remarkable skill of leadership and foresight that is sometimes overlooked, The 16th president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, traveled to Grant's location by boat at City Point, Virginia, just days before this meeting. And so his general, Ulysses S. Grant, knew his commander-in-chief's mindset quite well. Two phrases stuck out from those meetings with his president. Grant would later admit, Generous and kindly spirit toward the southern people, unquote, and absolutely no, quote, revengeable disposition, unquote. General Grant's terms of surrender were simple. Lee's army would receive parole. Weapons and supplies would be turned over as captured property, and officers would be allowed to keep their personal sidearms. Lee was gratefully surprised, writes Gelzo. There was no mention of, quote, triumphal parades or trials, unquote. Lee suggested perhaps to allow any Confederate soldier to take home an army horse or mule for, quote, planting a spring crop. Grant granted his wish immediately. Lee was overcome with relief. While Grant's secretary made copies of the terms of surrender for both generals to exchange, the two generals made awkward small talk about history. Lee then leaned over to whisper to Grant, asking for some food for his troops as they had been starving. Grant quietly nodding, quote, agreeing to make some sort of provision for them. From his own thinned out stores, writes Gelzo. Now both letters of surrender were signed and dated. Generals exchanged the letters. And let's go back to the book. Quote Grant and Lee shook hands, and after three o'clock, Lee stepped out onto the porch of the McLean house and signaled to his orderly to bring up his horse. In a hoarse, half-choked voice, an Illinois cavalry officer, George Forsythe, noticed how every Union officer on the porch sprang to his feet, every hand raised in a military civil loot. Lee appeared to Forsythe. He looked sadly to the east, where the Army of Northern Virginia lay in what would be its last encampment thrice smote the palm of his left hand slowly with his right fist, then descended the McLean house steps and mounted Traveler. As he turned to leave, Grant came out to the steps, saluted him by raising his hat, and Lee reciprocated. Collecting Traveler's reins, Robert E. Lee rode off at a slow trot to break the sad news to the brave fellows whom he had so long commanded. Let's stop here. Ironically, in the crowd of soldier onlookers surrounding that McLean house were Robert Todd Lincoln, a 20-year-old son of the president. He was a newly-minted captain traveling with Grant's officers. And Joshua Chamberlain, the hero of Gettysburg, some two years ago, where he had held the extreme left flank with his men of the 20th Maine Regiment on Little Round Top, helping to secure that most important victory. Now, I will say if you've never been to Gettysburg, the military battlefield there, I would absolutely urge you to go. I have been there four times, and each time I learned something new, and I, appreci- I appreciate even more deeply the patriots on both sides that gave their lives. For us to live in this incredible country. Now back to General Lee. And as he approached his army of Northern Virginia. Back to the book. Quote, Lee had never been an orator. And he now spoke briefly and simply. As to a theater company after its last curtain. I have done for you all that was in my power to do. You have done all your duty. Leave the result to God. Go to your homes and resume your occupations, obey the laws, and become as good a citizens as you were soldiers. Those words will console a grieving populace of the Confederate States of America. And on Good Friday, april fourteenth, Lincoln would meet with General Grant in his cabinet, where he eagerly backed up Grant's offerings on the subject of Lee's surrender. Grant saying in his memoir, the President said of him he had operated fully within his wishes. That night, Lincoln, believing this national nightmare of the U.S. Civil War was coming to a close, took his wife Mary Todd to the local Ford Theater, where a popular play, at the time, was being conducted, titled Our American Cousin. On that tragic Good Friday evening, the 56-year-old President Lincoln was shot, and he would die the following morning. And so what could have been a holy week in 1865 that all Americans could rally around for the beginning of the end of the Civil War and some type of reconciliation to begin in earnest, became a holy week from hell. And the national tragedy would continue into reconstruction, and most Americans at the time on both sides said they could never get over the assassination of President Lincoln. So in today's Mojo Minute, let us seek out the real reading of history by the professionals such as Today's featured book, Robert E. Lee, A Life by Alan Gelzo, whom, when it was all said and done, wrote a biography of the South's most admired general during those Civil War years. The biography is well-researched, deep yet not simplistic, of a complicated man. It's insightful, and ultimately, it's even-handed. And that is a rarity these days when so much of the public wants the hubris of declaring today's cultural and civic norms to be thrust upon a people living some 150 years ago. Americans ultimately want to learn the real and true history. And they ultimately deserve more. So, from my point of view, Gelzo's biography gives them. Just that. And as for those Americans that lived through the Holy Week of 1865, it was a Holy Week from Hell. And they would call that following Sunday Black Easter for a long time afterward. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this Theory to Action podcast. Be sure to check out our show page at TeamMojoAcademy.com where we have everything we discussed in this podcast, as well as other great resources. Until next time, keep getting your mojo on. Are you a voracious reader who yearns for a deeper understanding of your favorite books? Or perhaps you're a busy professional seeking to enrich your knowledge, but short on time. The Mojo Academy 2.0 is your perfect solution. Our revamped service now includes beautifully designed monthly written reviews and PDF format to accompany our popular audio reviews. These aren't just summaries. These are comprehensive and insightful explorations of each book packed with the actual quotes from the book. To enhance your understanding, with usually six to nine pages per review, they are perfect reference tools to take your learning to the next level. Get your free Mojo Academy review in written format at TeamMojoAcademy.com or click on today's show notes for that free link. Again, TeamMojoAcademy.com or click on today's show notes and you will see the link for the free written review. Get yours today.